What up, what up? Part two. In one corner, we have the oversexed Californian coxman, Anthony Kiedis. Diametrically opposed to Anthony Kiedis, the co-founder of Red Hot Chili Peppers, Michael Flea, Bowsery, jumping around and shitting and slapping his bass like no other's business. To the corner, to the direct left of him, you have the six-foot-two brick house that eats drums for breakfast, Chadwick Gaylord Smith. And then across from him, you have the 18-year-old piss and vinegar guitar virtuoso, John Anthony Frusciante! Produced by Rick Rubin. <coughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's the lineup of the Red Hot Chili Peppers that honestly recorded some all, all of my favorite albums. And Mike, one of yours too, so actually, we, of all time. So we left off right before they went to record this album, right? Mm-hmm. I think we correct. talked a little bit about how they rented that house or whatever. Yep, the mansion. So well, how did they how did they uh, come across Rick Rubin? Like how did them and Rick Rubin come together? I forget that story, man. I gotta uh, look okay. that up. Okay. But But anyway, they ended up becoming friends with Rick Rubin. Yep. And Rick Rubin decided to fucking they should rent this house. That's right. And go play in this house. And it's uh, like a famous house, right? Yeah, it's also, like haunted. Super haunted. Because I was watching, um, I was watching a little bit of uh, Funky Monks before too, and uh, yeah, at one point he's talking about how it was haunted. Um, yeah, yeah. Chad yeah. Smith didn't even stay in the the mansion like oh, the other three guys. To. Yeah, he was so scared. <laughs> That's funny, but it uh, one of the cool things. So it was. It's one of the first albums that I bought. As a young, this came out in '91, right? Right. Yeah. I 91. think, if I'm correct, it was like the, either the spring of '91. I think. Okay. Because the summer of '91 was like the summer of the Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, that's what made part of what made makes the album sound so great. I think is the fact that they do it so differently. You know, they will try so many different things, like, and they're just in an empty house, and you know, just trying all different kinds of setups and sounds and yeah they really kind of came into their own as a unit like I mean they had all the pieces obviously when they were still in EMI with Michael Beinhorn producing their record but I think Rick Rubin really knew how to like bring out the best work in them organically like he said I think well Rick Rubin in general is known for kind of taking people apart and then allowing them to build themselves back up. Yeah, I've heard he has, like, a very minimalist approach. Like, he, he likes to break it down to, like, the basic of what works mm-hmm. and just push that. And, I, and I've heard For that sure. he, he also encouraged Anthony to sing more because you had said last time that, you know, and I actually had noticed as we were going through it that Anthony didn't really sing that much up until that point. Like, nope. It was just more kind of the rap and rap sing kind of stuff. Yep, exactly. And Rick, like, encouraged that. Because I think Under the Bridge was like a poem he had or something, right? Like, he didn't even think it was going to be a song. I remember hearing that story. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that tracks. And, I'm like, Rick, to en- Rick encouraged him to turn it into a song. Yeah, because there's one... Uh, and his one... lyrics got a lot more personal on this album, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah, it, they... Um, 
I mean, there's a million different reasons you could. I mean, it's lightning in a bottle. It's certainly MTV. They were one of the bands that definitely just grabbed MTV by the horns and went for the ride. Like Absolutely, they leaned hard man. into MTV, and they had always had great videos, and uh, would have fun with the videos too. You definitely. Know? And fucking man, they played the shit out of their videos. Yeah. You would yeah. see them multiple times a day, every day. And yeah, that album was everywhere. I mean, I forget. We, we looked. I think we looked it up last time. It was over twenty million copies, right? Something like that. Something crazy. Yeah, they were platinum as hell. Very so, cool. that I mean, and that was back when you sold albums too. And I That's mean, it, it was just uh, everybody bought that album. Like everybody, it was just everywhere. Yeah. And uh, and it's fantastic. It's there's not really, in my opinion, there's not really. A clunker in the in the mix in the bunch yeah yeah I would I would agree man I mean all the way through it's just a solid listening experience just groove after groove after groove and like you said it's almost you know the <coughs> like you're seeing the beginning of the the band that you know everybody came to know and love or the band absolutely you know, like you see the beginnings of where they're going musically yep and you know I get they must have realized that they had finally gotten that right that right For mix sure. together, you know? I that think right so. blend of spices. Yeah, exactly right, man. I mean I mean how perfect. I mean think about it from all their perspectives. I mean Anthony had been clean and sober I think 4 or 5 years at this point and look how well the band was doing. Flea found a musical companion in John Frusciante. I mean Hell, the whole band had now. Now they had John Frusciante without somebody breathing down his neck, so he could like grow as a songwriter. Yeah, and like I would argue, I mean, like the the riffs that he would and the chord progressions he would bring in were unlike anything brought in before. Because instead of just being riffs that Anthony could just rap over, they were fully realized songs. Yeah, and they, you know, a lot more melodic. A yeah. Lot more. You know, and it's and it's all over the place too. You know, you have um, you have the songs. You have like under the bridge, which is like deeply personal. Yep. And probably and probably like their saddest, like in their slowest song, and at breaking the girl also a very yep. slow you know song. And then you also have a lot of the crazy funk stuff too. Like give it away. Yeah, you know, give it away. Yeah, and suck my kiss and you suck know. my kiss. Oh, dude. Such a good tune. They just, uh, yeah, they really pushed it. Yeah, so this is when they re- were able to reconcile just, like, f- almost funk metal heavy riffing with what you're saying, which is, like, sensitive introspection. And, and yeah, credit to Rick Rubin for allowing Anthony the space to really open up in the way that he did. Yeah, definitely. The whole band, but really... Anthony definitely and they and they rode that fucking wave for a while and I was actually yeah. way wrong because the album came out so yeah as I was saying it, I thought I was wrong because it wasn't big immediately and as I'm reading this I'm right because I looked it up on Wikipedia it was released in September of 91 okay um was gold November of 91 platinum mm-hmm. April of 92 and I remember like the summer of 92, 92 is the summer I'm it? talking about that's yeah. when like 
give it away and under the bridge were played everywhere and they were right. everywhere and then that was the 92 VMAs I was talking about actually I should bring that up let me see if I can find it real quick let's see if uh, that was either Jesse Tobias or Arik Marshall in the yeah movie. I was telling you I didn't even realize that that wasn't for Shanti because for, yeah. so for Shanti had left at this point so yeah for, so for so um that was already a break that, that they had already had the break from him. Yeah, dude, that was a crazy thing because John was having like real like serious psychiatric issues. Like, would just like lash out at his bandmates. Uh, mind you, he's getting, twenty years old. Drugs at this point yet? Or he's no? dabbling with heroin at this point, but he's not like serious yet. Okay. But what he's doing is he's getting he's purposefully fucking up shows. Yeah, and. Uh, Everyone's dude, pissed. I would be so fucking pissed if um, we went to a show and he was just fucking up there. Yeah, and they were playing like, like arenas, like the biggest shows yeah, ever. Dude, yeah, dude. Yeah, they Anthony, had a fucking massive tour. Yeah, like Anthony would, like, like when he, when John would storm off stage on a given show, Anthony would like grab him by the shoulder and be like, "Look what we've built." You, how I don't know how, why you're walking away from this. So he, I mean, so he, he you know, yeah. he. It's been documented that he had like you know, psychological issues and stuff. So oh, you yeah. think that's what it was? You think he? I mean, he was very young. Imagine having all that success at that young of an age. Yeah, too. Like, I think that's that's like the line share. They were all more prepared for it at that point. Yeah, because they were all pushing they were all thirty. Battle, battle tested, you know. For sure, they had been around for a while. And they had done the, you know, dirty clubs and the van and all that right. shit. Like, right. To be thrust into it right away has got to be fucking pretty jarring. Yeah, and John actually hated... Was that the first band he was in, or was he in other bands before that? Yeah, he, that was the first band he was in, to my to my knowledge. Wow. It's, it's yeah, off-documented that's, that he, that's the fir- his first band. That's crazy. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned, you know, the, the, the other three Chili Peppers being battle-tested, because John wanted to stay playing small clubs that was one of his complaints was that they're playing too big of places too big too fat all right too big, so too yeah fat. he yeah. didn't get For him, him get yeah. that same experience they already had they were right. they did that already they That's were true. ready they paid their dues and i mean you got to give anthony and flea credit man because i'm sure many bands of their time gave up and mm. went back to regular jobs but yeah. they fucking stuck it out I mean you Damn gotta right. think what is that like 8 years at that point by the time Blood Sugar comes out 9 years how many fucking years when did Blood they form when did the first album come out 83 uh, 84 was the first 84. record they formed in 83 I mean that's fucking a yeah, long years, time right? man uh huh that's a long fucking time yeah, it really and is. yeah so they're playing fucking arenas they're fucking yeah. Yeah, I'll show you this fucking the VMAs thing is entertaining. I remember watching this live as a kid. Host Dana Carvey. Yeah, it must be ninety two. <laughs> yeah, it's ninety two. And they start he starts playing under the bridge. And then they go into give it away and all these fans run out on the stage. Flees in his underwear as of usual. He is. Yep. Yeah! <laughs> like all these fucking crazy kids run out. Oh man. <laughs> Look at this freaking crazy outfit. <laughs> yeah, I know. What is that? That's so 90s right there. Oh, too. it totally is. Okay. <laughs> so, for those who aren't. Okay, so it's not. We're not Chili Peppers at the 1992 MTV BMAs. BMAs. 
on YouTube, and Anthony's wearing uh, it's like a checker checker <laughs> onesie, like a like a car he mechanic. Kind of looks thing. like the Riddler's like weird like stepbrother or something. Yeah, <laughs> he's got like these like he's got a question mark on his head. Yeah, he's or no uh, an exclamation point. Exclamation point. Yep. Look at this dude's like smoking a cigarette right next to Chad Smith <laughs> and playing his drums. <laughs> I mean, for those who are wondering, the Red Hot Chili Peppers still don't, and especially then, didn't give a flying airplane hot fuck. But they were like, like I was saying, you know, how I was saying, like, you know, to some people they were kind of like a joke. Because they were kind of like considered, they were like a party band, you know what I mean? Oh, totally. They were like, yeah. they were like the party dudes. Like, sure, and they were sure. always on MTV doing something crazy, or like they were on the Grammys doing something crazy. That's right. Or they were playing with socks on their dicks. Or, as yeah. we're probably going to get to shortly, they show up at Woodstock with their brand new guitar player and fucking have giant light bulb outfits on. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, is like, they were always, yeah, the funny, jokey band, but they always could fucking play. That's the, that's the trick with the Chili Peppers, and that's what I like about them so much. And that's what I think some people maybe didn't realize at first, but realized over time, because yeah. they've shown they have the staying power. I mean, fuck, like... You told if you told me back then they were still gonna be around, I fucking wouldn't have believed you. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I remember when Freshanti came back, and I yeah. was like, "Cool, this will be like a nice little thing. They'll do an album, and then they'll just all go do whatever." You know nah. what I mean? Like it'll be a swan <laughs> song, and that was fucking like ninety nine. That was ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> so, for, so, uh, so who replaced Freshanti? They had all right somebody before Dave Navarro, right? They had a couple people actually. So they had one guy finish. I'm going to quiz you, Mike. I want to see if you get it right. It's okay. either Arik Marshall or Jesse Tobias that they get to finish out the tour. Because J- John Frusciante left mid-tour in Japan. That's crazy. Yeah. Just they, in the middle of the tour, so he just flew home? Just flew the fuck home and went wow. right to his couch for That's like, shitty, years. man. That's shitty. Yeah. Well. He sold so many tickets already. Like. Yeah, dude. Fucking crazy. Yeah. So, all right. So they get... Oh, so you're gonna quiz me? So I'm supposed yeah. to know who it was. Um, it's a guess. It's either Arik Marshall uh, or Jesse I Tobias. I think it's Arik. I think because I was, we were reading about it last time. After we went off air, we were still discussing it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Arik Marshall, uh, okay. who was like a friend or something, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and then so yeah, I remember. I wish I could have brought up what I was reading last week because I remember they. Uh, so they had offered it to Dave Navarro. Hold on, let me see what I can find. Yep, then he turned it down because of drugs. Dave Navarro turned out, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, Frashanti quit after a show in Tokyo, May 92. Spent years in L.A. living in squalor, struggling with his addiction. Yeah, you got really into the him. The contacted Dave Navarro, who had just split with Jane's addiction, but Navarro was involved with his own drug problems. After failed editions with Xander Schloss, Eric Marshall of L.A. band Martial Law was hired. Pepper's headline Lollapalooza in '92. That was a huge. Go back and listen to us discussing Lollapalooza. '92 was For a sure. big one, and yeah, the Chili Peppers fucking headline. That was that summer. That was the summer '92. Oh man. Marshall also appeared in the video for "Breaking the Girl." If you have to ask, as well as the Simpsons episode, Krusty gets canceled. Classic Simpsons episode. I don't uh, know if we've ever discussed Simpsons. Are you I not a Simpsons so. guy? Uh, I like some episodes. I never really dug deep though. So a lot of people will say there's only, like, a chunk of seasons that are the best. It's, like, four to, like, ten or something around there. Four to ten. And this is a classic old episode when, um, um, 
the Chili Peppers played Moe's. I forget the, I forget the pro- plot of the episode, but the Chili Peppers <laughs> play at Moe's. That's funny. And uh, they're like in their underwear, and Moe's like pissed off that they're in their underwear. <laughs> but I didn't know that wasn't for Shanti in that episode, so that's interesting. And uh, so September 92, they performed at the VMAs. Um, 93, they performed at the Grammys. Then they dismissed Marshall because he was too busy. They held new auditions, including Buckethead. Yeah, we mentioned that. We did, yeah. That's crazy, that Buckethead audition for them. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know who Buckethead is, look him up. Look him up. Um, Fleet Felly was not right for the part. Guitarist Jesse Tobias of the L.A. band Mother Tongue was briefly hired but dismissed due to poor chemistry. There you go. Um, Navarro was, said he was now ready to join the band. All this in 93, right. Soul to Squeeze comes out. Yeah, so there was a big... Gap like they did a massive tour, yeah, and then there was a big gap. And I was telling you last week that people were hungry because I mean they were fucking so big, yeah. People were just hungry for more shit, more chili peppers. And I think Coneheads might have been yeah. It says August ninety three, so Coneheads came out that summer. Was not a commercial success. I enjoyed it, but it was not a uh, <laughs> financially successful movie. Uh, they tried to make a uh, movie about the Conehead sketch 20 years after the Conehead sketch. Oh, I didn't know it was that long. Yeah, because wow. Coneheads was a sketch they originally did like in the original years of SNL. Oh, I didn't realize. Well. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, the soundtrack is great, and that song was on the soundtrack, and that song helped the soundtrack go like multi-platinum. Oh, man. And I think they won... Uh, let's see. They won something. Uh, top the Billboard uh, U.S. Modern Rock chart. Okay. And then, yeah, so Navarro's in there, and David Navarro's first show what? is the summer of 94, Woodstock. That's right, baby. <laughs> this is after they, like, went to Hawaii together and purchased, like, Harley Davidson's and just rode around the the big islands. And now David Navarro, certainly a rock That's star, but yeah. fuck, man, having that be your first show has got to be fucking intimidating. I could imagine so. And then to top it off... But it's Dave Navarro, you know what I mean? I I have the video ready here to to show. They fucking come out in giant light bulb outfits. (laughs) And they rip it to give it away. And I guess those things were not very comfortable because they only wore them for one song. I remember watching this as a 13-year-old that summer and being like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, really bad for your neck. It looks crazy uncomfortable. They have them, like, attached on their back. Yeah. So they can't even, like, move their head. No, no, no. And you can see he's, like, adjusting it a lot during the thing, too. But at least he doesn't have to play an instrument. Like, imagine I'm going to play the fucking drums in that thing. Jesus Christ. Chad, yeah. Look how uncomfortable he is. I know. (laughs) And, yeah, so they're like, all right, Dave, welcome to the band. Put this fucking thing on. All right, sure. And I'm a big, I, so I'm a big Dave Navarro fan. Me too. And I'm a big Jane's Addiction fan. Same. And uh, even though Dave Navarro, the guy, is a little weird, he is a fucking incredible guitar player. He really is, man. And uh, I'm one of the few, so uh, th- they made an album with Dave Navarro. After this, they went into the studio. I'll just watch a little bit of this for a second. <laughs> you want to throw on the music video for Warped after this? Just sure. To show, like how different they are. Oh, like, dude, I up. love that song and that video. So, like I was trying to say, I'm one of the few that love that album. 
I'm a big One Hot Minute fan. I know a lot yeah. of Chili Pepper purists don't like it, but you said you do like it, right? I do like it, but I will say it grew on me. Um, so you didn't like it when you first heard it? Not at first, because it's so different than anything they've ever So done. let me say, yes. So let's paint the scene here. Like sure. I was saying, there was a big gap between albums. So oh, yeah. let me see when When Hot Minute exactly came out. Um, Woodstock, blah, blah, blah. But they did a big tour, and they opened for the Stones for a little while. It said the relationship already began to deteriorate with Navarro. Navarro admitted he did not care for funk music or jamming. Yeah, like that's one thing that and Dave, this is when Keith relapsed, and actually Anthony's relapse was caused by it says a dental procedure. Right? Yeah, because um, they were trying to put in like what is it like anesthesia or Novocaine or whatever to put him out, and since he'd been using heroin for so long, like his veins naturally or like his body naturally just could handle more of the drugs they were putting in. So they put in like five times the amount of like a- as shit. is normal, and it still barely numbed him out. And he even explains to his doctor like, "Look, I used to you know dis- misbehave a lot, so please, I'm begging you, put more in." And they kept putting more and wow. more and more, and then that caused him to you know reignite his cravings for heroin, and then he went and relapsed, and he actually kept it from Flea for a long time, and was like so ashamed of it and barely spoke to Fleek out of just pure shame for having relapsed because he knew how poor his relationship got with Flea when he was using and that there he swore never to do it again because Hillel Slovak passed away from it. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's sad. It's yeah, also right? interesting because they must have faked it for a little while in Navarro because I didn't realize it was already falling apart before the album even came out. Because I remember when that album came out, they you could not tell if there were any problems because they were they acted quite normal. And like I said, the big gap and that came out and people were like, What the fuck is this? And I I really liked it. I was like I remember Warp, so I brought up the video or no wait, I was looking up Warp. So Warp was the first single that came come out and yeah. I remember when Warp came out on the radio before the video came out, people were like, What the fuck? And then so they put out this very strange video. <laughs> and you can all you can immediately tell the difference in the sound a lot more atmospheric and you know that Dave brings brought to the band absolutely and, and like I said I'm a big fan it doesn't necessarily a lot of people didn't like it because it wasn't what the band you know had done but again I like that they were willing to try something else and push it in that Me direction too. I agree. you know like rather than try to have Dave conform to what they were doing they let Dave you know because you can't do that with guitar players you know you You can't force them to be something they're not like but this video I remember seeing this video and being like what the fuck and he's got like these wrestler pants on with flames on them flames on them and they alternate but they're wearing like S&M gear but I love that fucking riff and I love this song like Anthony's crying out for help in the lyrics because Again, he relapsed on heroin. And, he's and yeah, like so the the, the songs were a lot darker. Oh yeah, and I think it says on uh, it says on Wikipedia that it was um, you know a darker, sadder record. Yeah, actually, I would say, well, two things that I mean, well, Anthony already was more comfortable being sensitive from Blood Sugar. I think the darker atmosphere that Navarro brought to the band during this record allowed Anthony to explore that even further 
It's a, a Navarro, Navarro incorporating heavy metal riffs and psychedelic rock. You definitely get more of a psychedelic vibe and a heavier vibe. And I think that's why I liked it as a young kid, too, because, yeah. like, I like the, the, the Chili Peppers, you know, trademark sound. I like the funk, but I, I really did like that it was, like, them with kind of, like, a heavier edge. Sure. You know what sure. I mean? But then they could also get down a little bit with, like, aeroplane. Yeah, and, and so, and interestingly and enough, friends my like friends, so it, so... The album sold 8 million copies despite yeah. mixed reviews, which is putting it mildly because I was there and people were not happy. And I remember a lot of my friends not being happy and me being like, this album fucking rocks. <laughs> also, another underrated song, which I would love to, but firstly, I'll mention uh, My Friends. So, My Friends uh, became the band's third number one single. And My Friends definitely. It's kind of like an interloper almost on the album. It doesn't really sound a lot like the rest of the album. It really doesn't, but I think you know? the way they place it on the album makes it make sense. It's like right in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. So, but my favorite song on the album is uh, Coffee Shop. Oh, that's another thing. Um, the other thing I was going to say was this album, if you listen closely, it's like Flea and Chad firing on all cylinders of the rhythm section. They're playing crazy shit that they'd never played before. Because Navarro kind of forced him in that direction. And that just and makes that, them better for what's to come as well. Absolutely. Because, I mean, they're one of the tightest fucking rhythm sections ever. But this song rocks so hard, dude. I remember being like, this is the fucking Chili Peppers, man. I Damn remember right. sitting there listening to the album, and it got to this song, and I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, I would dig this band. If this band hung around, I would dig this. Sounds kind of like... Sort of like Primus. Yeah, a little heavier, because you still got you you still got a funkier edge to it, but it's yeah. definitely heavier, and they're definitely pushing it. And uh, yeah, so Navarro's he, playing like power chords and like not he's not doing like the funky shit like Frusciante was doing. Yeah, and I believe he's he's got some solos on the album too, like which is very not Chili Peppers nope. at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> But I mean, I imagine it's got to be tough to have Dave Navarro in your band and tell him he can't play a solo. I mean, and <laughs> and to be fair, Navarro was always kind of an abrasive character. Like Anthony writes in his book how he actually even wrote a song. They clashed, early. right? What? They clashed a lot, right? Like yeah, personality-wise. Oh yeah, and like Anthony even wrote a song called "The King of Sarcasm" because Dave's kind of an abrasive dick sometimes. Like I said, I, like I said, Dave Navarro's a genius, and I think he's a great guitar player. Oh, yeah, but I do not like him as a human being. Like when I see him in interviews, he just comes off like a douche. Like he, he, you know, he wears all the makeup and shit. Like he just, uh, he, he's just always come off very strange to me. But uh, however, like even when I saw that video I showed you with uh, him playing with Taylor Hawkins and Chris Chaney, yeah, he's wearing he's got a fucking man bun and he's wearing like these MC Hammer parachute pants, he's got this puffy ass beard. Yeah, like he looks like a fucking like he's gonna float away or something. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> however, uh, fucking incredible guitar player. He really I mean, is. He really is one of my favorite. Zone, yeah. Um, one of my favorite Sonic guitar players. Yeah. And he, he's got a signature sound. Totally so, yeah, but him. unfortunately for me, uh, fortunately for everyone else. <laughs> that, so that was their, I guess that's their dark period. Yeah. You know, the Chili Peppers with One Hot Minute. And, and by the way, the recording sessions Eight were, million copies is not a bad dark period to have. It's not. <laughs> no, I just mean like stylistically. No, I know what you're saying, you know what but I mean? it's, it's, it's funny. Like, but it's, yeah, you're right, though. Like, yeah, like, oh, this experiment didn't work out. Ah, but, you know, we sold eight million copies at least. 
<laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So uh, what I was trying to say is a lot of fans like were not, you know, because back then you bought, like you took chance, you bought albums without knowing what they were going to be. Right. Quite frankly, like you had maybe heard you'd heard one, maybe two songs. So I'm sure a lot of people bought that album and never listened to it again. There's like what? Is <laughs> he talking about? They stopped at P. Like when they heard Flea singing and like playing bass, talking about how small he is, they're like, all right, fuck this, I'm out of here. Yeah. Not me though, not us. We hung in there. Ha ha ha. Huh. But, um, by the way, for those listening out there, uh, I, Mike, do you recommend James Addiction to the listeners? Yeah, very Same much. here. Very so if much. you want to hear Dave Navarro, like, in his true natural <laughs> habitat, definitely check out, especially the early stuff, I'm a bigger James fan. Addiction. Yeah, I'm a bigger James fan Addiction. of not the, uh, not the album with Ben Claude Steely on it. I'm a bigger fan of the other one. I, I always forget the name of it. Nothing shocking. Same Nothing here, shocking Same here. fucking, and dude, like... You talk about, like, Jane's Addiction isn't really in the grunge, you know... Um, they're not grunge at all. They're not in the grunge category. At all. Um, but they... Um, they were one of the first bands that really changed the scene of rock music back then. Definitely. Because it was all the hair metal and, you know, like, pre-Nirvana, I'm saying. Like, there were a couple yeah. bands pre-Nirvana... Because everybody goes to Nirvana and that breakthrough and, and, and everything that followed. But there were a couple bands, and I think we've mentioned before, Alice in Chains. Chili and, Peppers. Um, yes, Chili Peppers. You know, there Bad were, Brains, without whom you wouldn't have the Chili Peppers going. And Jane's Addiction was one of those bands where they were they were heavy, but they weren't heavy metal. You know what I mean? Absolutely. They were, they were pushing shit in different directions. They were trying different things. And they were super influenced by like metal, too. But yeah, like, Navarro and Perkins were for sure. Yeah, I know. Uh, I don't want to digress onto the introduction too far, but um, Eric Avery, the ba- original bass player, but they're also know. in that whole group too because yeah. they were in that California, you know, late eighties. All metal. Yeah, they called like, that. Yeah, I guess that's where all metal began because Tool was around at that point too. I think he was. Yeah, there's a lot of different terms that have were thrown metal. around. You know, yeah, but it was, it was just the, the the the. It was it was all, it was. All of these young kids' responses to hair metal. Like, Absolutely. It was all of us kids who didn't like hair metal. Like, or punk. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, yeah. It, it was their response. Like, they they didn't want hair, they didn't want any more hair metal. They, they, it wasn't, because everything that was popular before that was, was poison, and it was Motley Crue, and it was, like, glitz, and, like, you know what I mean? It unless you were in the underground, yeah, unless you were in the underground, like, you know, um, metal scene or something like that, like, it, it was very cheesy and overproduced, yeah. and, like, and so this was all a response to that. Yeah. And 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 they were one of the forefathers before Nirvana came along. For sure, that were trying different things because they were. What, what was Nothing Shocking like eighty eight or eighty nine? Like Nothing Shocking is a fucking great album. It really is all the way through. But yeah, so that all that is to say that Navarro is a good guitar player in his own right. Unfortunately, he didn't have, and he even talks about this in interviews. Like he just he kind of knew toward the end, like. And in, especially in retrospect, looking back on his influences and Flea's influences, they were almost completely diametrically opposed. Um, right. And it just wasn't going to last. Even though they were like, uh, even though, you know, every, it's, it's funny, people seem to love having Flea around. 
In fact, Flea even toured with Jane's Addiction when they got back together a he little bit. He seems like, yes, I remember that. And that yeah. was also because they played on the Howard Stern soundtrack. And huh. it was like, I think that might have been the first time Flea, because it was like, they didn't call themselves Jane's Addiction, they called themselves Portable Pyros, but they had... Oh, it's Paris, um, other But they band. had uh, Flea on bass, and I think Dave Navarro played guitar on it. I huh. forget. It was a weird... It was like a pseudo-Jane's Addiction reunion, but yeah. Flea played on it. I remember oh, that. cool, okay. Because okay. Flea was in the video... Um, the Howard Stern soundtrack, Private Park soundtrack, is another awesome soundtrack. And there's a yeah. uh, there's a that so there's a song they did on there that's really good. I forget the name of the song, but yeah, Flea Flea seems like a, like a fun loving kind of guy, you know. Like oh, and fun fact before we move on to the um, Return of Frusciante, fun fact, a uh, couple fun facts. Firstly, on the Alanis Morissette song "You Ought to Know." Flea plays bass and Dave Navarro plays guitar. I did know that. You I did, did know that. I did know that. Audience, yes. now you know that too. I did know that, and yeah, that's interesting. And uh, they, how, how did the, do you know the story behind that? Like, not at all. I'm not aware. I, 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 it's like one of those random facts that I know, but to be I don't honest, know, like, the story behind it. To be honest with you, like, well, Flea's written a book, but it's only his childhood leading up to the formation of the Chili Peppers. Uh, Okay. I'd love to hear from his perspective. Right, I think he has expressed interest Memoirs. in yeah, expressed interest in another one. I forgot the other fun fact, but we'll come back to it. So anyway, sure. after all these years of going in and out of studio, various different studios, and they were like on the verge clashing. of breaking up, right? At this point, oh like, yeah, and uh, and for Shanti's still on drugs, right? Yeah, he's, he's deep into heroin at this point. Very heavy onto heroin, and like even people like Johnny Depp and other people are like. Like other friends of his are filming him in his apartment, like living in squalor, like not brushing his teeth, not even playing his guitar really, and just completely just zoning out. Like he's not in good shape at all. Video that came out around then. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Fucked up, and like people were like, "What the fuck happened to that dude?" Mm -hmm. And yeah, he looked completely different. Yep, he looked like a completely different person, and yeah, he was very frail. Yeah. Scary shit, man. And during that time, he actually released some solo work. But um, well, the first one was, I think, well received in like the underground community. The second one, he admits, was just for drug money. <laughs> and he doesn't. No, seriously. Like, and he doesn't. And he's very like displeased with that fact, and uh, like pretty much wants to retcon it if he could. He has done some good solo work in later years. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Really <laughs> so good. he comes back and they make At, the fucking powerhouse that is Californication. Big time. And here's the thing about that, too, was Dave Navarro leaves because, you know, he's back on heroin himself and trips over a Marshall stack at rehearsal and everyone was kind of like, all right, fuck this guy, let's kick him out. And what happened was Flea and, you know, Anthony and Chad were like, what the hell do we do? Flea was like, let's go ask John. And they were like, you gotta be kidding. And Flea's like, no, trust me, Like, let's see if this will work. Yeah. So Flea goes to John's house, and you know they talk a little bit, and John is fresh out of rehab at this point, by the way. Right. Like, he burned, he pretty much burned most of his, like, there's a fire in his house, and it burned, I think, his house down, and like, took his, uh, a lot of his guitar collection away from Shit. him. And, yeah, and then, yeah, so then he went to this uh, clinic, they you know, removed his teeth, like, they made him graft in it, because, like, his teeth had gotten so rotten from, like, not brushing, and they basically made him withdraw from heroin, like, in private, but anyway, he comes out, like, doing yoga and, like, having more of a spiritual mindset, but anyway, 
Flea goes to John's house and sees how he's doing, and Flea says, you know, why don't you come back and join the Chili Peppers? And John starts crying and goes, like, nothing would make me happier. So he comes back with his guitar. Mind you, he hadn't picked up a guitar in a few years at this point, maybe three years. That's crazy. And one of the songs... Can I just play a song from this fucking album? Yes, yes, To show... Around the world. Ah, oh, great fucking song. Because I think it's really important to discuss like how different this song and video is from Warped. And this is one of in my particular. favorite uh, Anthony Gillett with the nonsense lyrics. Ding, ding, no, no, ding, ding. In, in addition to uh, a, a short haircut that Anthony hadn't had in a while. Yeah, guys Anth- are blonde yep. too. This is a return to form to Anthony's like nonsensical happiness because he also kicked heroin in two thousand. So like, he was being, really happy. Like, so happy. That they were back. I remember hearing this because this was turn it all the way up, crank I it. I remember bro. this. This was, is the return. I'm trying to think if I heard this before Scar Tissue because I didn't love Scar Tissue when I first heard it. Sure, sure. But I remember hearing this and being like, "Fuck yes, dude!" Dude, this song is the reason why I love the Chili Peppers. It just like it activated a switch in my brain forever. Listen to this. So funky. Dude. So triumphant, dude. And, uh, again, pushing, you know, even though he's doing rapping on this song, much less rapping, a lot more singing. Yep. A lot more melody in their songs. Right right here, ready? And John's doing a lot more backing vocals, too. Yes. And, dude, he is one of my favorite. John's got a great voice. He's amazing. He does. Yeah, I remember being so happy because again, <laughs> I can't believe that's in a video. Oh yeah, for those who are wondering, Anthony is um, Anthony is uh, going to third base with a with a ghost in this uh, music video, as only Anthony Kiedis would. Again, another big break after one hot minute, and then another change. Yeah. You know, even though they're going back to Vrishanti, another change and a long period. People are hungry, and then they put this out, man. And People. this again was everywhere. And this was the, so. This was the TRL days. <laughs> yes, this was the Anthony. TRL days, and their videos. I mean, Scar Tissue was on TRL every day for yeah. fucking ever, man. And they, this was their fucking most successful album too, yeah. right? They sold more than Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and spawned multiple hits. Such as this song around the this world, song, Scar, Tissue, Scar Tissue, Other Side, which, other side, which I love as well. Um, and other Side got played on like top 40 stations and shit, like yeah. old contemporary stations. Like, yeah. they really, they started, so that was another thing. Again, pushing their sound in different directions oh, yeah. and doing, dipping your toe in different kinds of things. And again, John Frusciante just picked up guitar again like months prior to this because album they also became Think one about of those that. bands where and that's a good example the other side where they also made these songs that you would hear like in a fucking dentist's office it's true like yeah. they they fucking would dip these t- their toes in all these other areas and fucking strike gold like every time like there's you know Ze- that Zephyr song's another one that's on and, uh, uh, that's on by the way and uh, Snow like Snow, Snow yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they started, you know, pushing stuff in that direction, like, and that shit got played on, like, adult contemporary stations. Like, yeah. that's crazy. The band with socks on their dicks. <laughs> they still had socks on their dicks at this point, by the way. It would still do that for, like, the rest of the 2000s, from what I recall. 
So massive success. For sure, man. Yeah, and, and you look uh, at the imagery. Californication also. Yeah, was thank a huge you. Hit. That's, that's the one. Yeah. That was another cool vid that the weird Tony Hawk inspired like video game video yeah. they had. Oh, yeah, they're all like a different avatar. And like, then they did yeah. another like massive, massive fucking tour. Yeah. Like I think they toured for a fucking couple years at this point. And just reap the 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 rewards. And then up next, you have, uh, By the Way. Yep. And by, so By the Way came out in 02. Yep. And, uh, one, and tell me if you know this, but Rick Rubin, well, John Frusciante was super creatively inspired and wanted to basically take control of the album, or just had a lot of ideas, really. And wanted to do like a raw, like, German confidence. Yep, like a punk record. Yeah. But Rick Rubin was like, nah, do something more melodic. Do some more melodic stuff. So that's why you have a lot of the album being very melodic. A lot more subdued. And I noticed oh, that. I remember so, when that yeah. came out too, being like, like not, not disliking it because it's a good album and it also has one of my favorite songs on it, which, uh, which I will play here, which just has a fucking. Just amazing fucking guitar riff. Can't stop. That's when yeah. he, that was one of Flea's stipulations that he had a couple funk songs in there lest he wanted to leave the band. This song is fucking great. But yes, with the exception of this song, definitely a more mellow, more subdued. But very good. And had multiple hits once again. Uh, by the way, it was a huge hit. And Zephyr's song was on this album, right? Yep. Also, Dose. You want to put on Dose after this? Sure. I love that riff. All my earliest cover bands. So what do you think? Oh, I meant to ask you, did you ever hear about the, the, the thing about how um, Around the World uh, it sounds exactly like that Metallica song, Bread Fan? You ever heard that Metallica Never song, Bread song. Fan? No. The guitar riff's like the exact same. It's eerie. It's eerie. Here, let me just real quick just play you. All right, I'll play it for you after. I'll play it for you after. Yeah, great, great bagging of vocals. Uh, this is when he really comes alive. This album is his, like, he reaches another peak of, like, backing vocalization. Yeah. He's so talented, dude. <laughs> dude, have this song on my iPod on, like, the bus, and then, like, playing it in my car once I got my license over and over again the best. Yeah, I think they did like another uh, gigantic tour after this too. It's like multi-year all over the world kind yep. of thing. I think this is around the time that Anthony wrote Scar Tissue. Was like, went by oh, the way the book? Recorded. Yeah, the book. What was that? Um, you wanted to hear Dose? I do want to hear Dose because that, I don't think they've ever played that song in full live because there's so many, there's like four guitar parts over overdubbed. I don't think they can. Oh, really? Oh yes. Good this song. is what most of the album pretty much sounds like. Is our so songs like this? Like yeah, the, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, man. This is the song I put. This is the songs like these are the reasons why when I would go to the dentist's office, I would play "By the Way" by the Chili Peppers. In the <laughs> Swear to God, yeah, just put me right up. <laughs> Obviously, the 
drugs they'd pump in me would help. Yeah. But this would kind of guide me along. <laughs> yes. I want to hear the Freshante back in vocal just, just once, right? Yeah. so good. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh my god. Really adds to it. And this just goes to show you, like, Chad can be subtle, and Flea can be subtle as well. Like, they have dynamic range. Like, you yeah. wouldn't believe, man. They're ridiculous. Right. John's doing the melody here. Anthony's doing the lower harmony. Fun fact. And yeah, like, you would fucking hear this in a dentist office. I put it on in the dentist's because I never heard it myself. But you yeah, could. Yeah, something like PLJ. Like, ah, that was the red chili peppers on this mellow afternoon. <laughs> yeah, man. Just this song over and over again. Yeah. If I ever get sent to Guantanamo for some reason and they tell me that for the rest of my life they can loop a song, I want it to be this one. <laughs> Hopefully I don't get sent to Guantanamo. So after this is the um, reunion with uh, Rick Rubin. No, Rick Rubin was there the whole time. Oh, Rick man. Rubin did this album. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right okay. So he did this album. Yeah. 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 In fact, he advised John. Yeah, he wanted John to go in this direction. Oh. Okay. Instead of like punk and shit. So yeah, I mean, from a period, from uh, you know, for somebody comes back from '99 to fucking really through when he leaves again, they're like, yeah, one of the fucking biggest bands in the world. Touring, they always had like one of the biggest tours every year. Yeah, dude. Unfortunately, they're one of the bands I still haven't seen. Oh, I wish I would have seen them by now. I saw them with Josh when they had Josh Klinghoffer in the band. Great. Oh, you did? I did, yeah. They were phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see them. Yeah, they're fucking incredible. Especially now, just because they have such a catalog now, mm. too. You know what I mean? Like, they're another one of those bands that can play for two hours and do nothing but hits. That's it, man. You know what I mean? Like, fucking crazy. Yeah, I'm curious as to what their next record will be like. I remember, I don't know if it was around this time or not, but I remember they did a big tour with the Foo Fighters. They did a co-headlining tour with the Foo Fighters. I want to say that was Californication era, because I remember okay. the promos had Anthony LeBlanc. Yeah, they did a big, like, co-headlining tour with the Foo Fighters. It doesn't say it here on Wikipedia. But, uh... That was, I think that was in, like, the Foo Fighters Behind the Music or something, Nirvana, or Dave Grohl behind the music. Some some kind of documentary like that. So, um... Then we're on to, uh... They do the greatest hits one, and they put out Fortune Faded and Saved the Population. Oh, so they did the greatest hits before Stadium Arcadium. Okay. Yep. But, dude, Stadium Arcadium. Listeners, stay tuned, because that shit will rock you. One of my favorites. Another Mine one of my too. favorites, Stadium Arcadium. In my opinion, man... Stadium Arcadium is pretty much like a quintessential Anthony Flea, John, and Chad experience. Like, it was, it's like the perfect culmination of everything. And they're all they firing built. on all cylinders. It's Absolutely. Like their magnum opus because I would agree. Californication yeah. John had just come back. Right. You know, and was right. raw and still working through his shit. Like, at yep. this point, they are just 
firing, you know, they, they are just in peak form. Absolutely. John Frusciante is actually doing solos on this record, and he sounds like a fucking, he sounds like a full-on Hendrix acolyte. And I mean, this album really is a magnum opus, like, it's so good. It's Dude. a double album. It is, but like every song is a banger. In fact, and it's a thick double album too. It's yeah. like almost thirty songs, isn't yeah, it? Like ridiculous. it's a big album. So, and this is their first number one album. And they played the. Uh, I want to say they played with the Grammys, and they played Snow Hey Oh. Dude, that riff on guitar, man! Like, it's such. A, it's actually a really hard riff to play. Their Snow first hey number one album, and it debuted at number one in the UK and twenty five other countries. Yeah, man. Seven million units. So this only sold seven million, but this is also the time Napster's already been discovered. Yeah. And the music business is slowly dying. Yep. They they were one of the last bands that really reaped the rewards of the old school music business and selling a lot of albums. Absolutely right. So, wow, I didn't realize they only sold seven million because that was a huge album. They won a ton of Grammys, five Grammys for that album. There you go, man. Best rock album, best rock song, best rock performance. Best box or limited package and best producer. Perfect. Danny California, great song. So, do you want to play a song for this? Hell yeah, dude. What do you want to hear? I want to hear Danny California, but I also want to hear Charlie. Okay. Danny California, I think, Danny would be California. the easy one, but. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a great song. And it has great fucking guitar solo. And a great video. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going through all the different rock time periods, and, like, at the end, they're just themselves. Yeah, the video's fun. It's a good it's message. A fun, fun video. The outtakes for it are funny, yeah, too. Yeah, they go through, like, all the time periods. Like, they're Elvis right here. He's playing the stand-up bass. <laughs> and they fused all the elements. All of them, yep. Because he's not just rapping, he's not just singing, he's rapping and he's singing there, you know. They're loud, they're, they're soft. They're getting funky, they're getting melodic, they're... <laughs> They're dressed up like uh, Hendrix and Cream right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, although I think Flea's trying to be John Paul Jones there. <laughs> looks like a looks like a squire. This is back when you still the music video business is dying too. Yeah. Funk. Funk. Wow, two hundred eighty-one million views. Yeah, dude. Great riff. Boom, boom, the Bro, real talk. I will like infuse this riff into when Carousella performs uh, "Last Dance with Mary Jane." Same chords, dude. Oh, you should. I do. I do the. I just love the. I don't know if we're gonna play the whole song, but I love the solo at the end. Interestingly, interestingly enough, I don't know if you remember this, but on the radio, yeah. a lot of the radio edit. Sometimes they would play the song on the radio and cut the solo. Get the hell out of here. Absolutely. How dare they? I heard it many a time, I remember, on old school radio. That is a crock. And hearing the solo cut out and being like, what the fuck? Uh, (laughs) That's just rude. I have an idea. Just like the clash. You want to put on a, uh, you want to put on kind of a deep cut? Yeah, hold on. Let me just. Oh, the solo. Yeah. Hold on. We'll get to the solo. Oh, when they, like, become themselves kind of thing? Oh, no. Oh, dude. The solo is great. This is great. It's, uh... Anthony had his neckties and his gloves and his long hair, and John had his flannels and vacant expression. 
ripping his fender. Just ridiculous, bro. <laughs> and it cuts back from uh, from present day to Beatles time. And John has like glasses on in the Beatles time. They're just look like the Misfits too. <laughs> yeah. John Anthony oh, Frusciante, yeah. baby. <laughs> it's so it's so freaking awesome. Anthony's wearing like capri pants. Yes, he is. <laughs> so, um. Just realized that. This is also the tour. City <laughs> Arcadium tour was when they got. Well, John Frusciante got his buddy Josh Klinghoffer to come in to be the touring rhythm guitar player because he'd done so many like guitar overdubs Snow became the band's 11th number one single damn wow damn hump de bump I like that song hump de bump's a good one (laughs) and then yes another massive tour right year that's right man and then alright so you were saying Klinghoffer joined the touring band yes he did wow okay so that's how they met Klinghoffer was through John, John. that's oh, right interesting they had, and fun fact uh, Josh would play drums with uh, would be on drums and John would be on guitar and they had Joe Lally from Fugazi on bass and they had a band called the Taxia it's not bad they're not bad huh. fun fact for any of you uh, okay. DC uh, post-hardcore fans out there so then, so then, what happens? For Shanti leaves again. So in two thousand nine, they take a like a hiatus after okay, massive success and making albums nonstop. Oh yeah, they were. Oh yeah, Almost they were burnt out at that point, like eight years. Uh, yeah, and had arguably transcended their status in ninety one, which I think is freaking awesome. Definitely, to see, definitely. You know? Like I said, it became one of the biggest bands in the world. In the world, but yeah, so they um they let they uh took a hiatus never broke up and then John decided to leave and focus more on his solo stuff but this time the split was amicable and Josh joined the band because they already all knew him and he knew all the songs and he vibed with the guys pretty well and before we go I kind of want to play a song off of I'm With You which is the first album they put out with Josh okay alright what song? Um, put on Monarchy of Roses if you don't mind Let's say it again. Sorry, Monarchy of Roses. Monarchy. Oh, wait, sorry, spelled that wrong. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but like, I, I, I'm curious to hear. I want to hear you unpack Josh's guitar sound versus John. I don't know if I've heard this. To be honest with you, I can't. Please, I'm so not I'd sure love your if opinion. I have. Because to be honest with you, I didn't keep up with them. I bought this record. Dude. I don't. I don't think I bought this album after Stadium Arcadium. I kind of lost touch with them a little bit. Think about this, Mike. I this is one of the albums that I bought when it came out. Yeah. And put it in my car, dude. Like, um, talk about blood sugar was. Yeah. And this was before. So what was the getaway after this? The getaway I was I, after I remember that. downloading the getaway and listening to that. Um, and I dug it. Yeah, it was pretty good, right? It had some good cuts. It wasn't as cohesive as their other stuff, but could have been. I dig like this sludgy riff. And so this is the first album with Josh. Yep. When I saw them, they opened with us. Because really? it was this tour. Oh, okay. 
Anthony's porno mustache. Yeah, his porn stash and his, uh, his, like, I don't know what we call it, an undercut. Yeah, that weird early 2000s hairdo. Yeah. <laughs> With the hair in your face. Yeah. Like shaved in the back. Chad looks the same. Flea looks the same. Yeah, Flea's looked the same for, like, his, the most majority of his life. It's yeah. Like... I think it helps that he stopped, uh, he stopped doing drugs and drinking, like, dinner's ready. <laughs> doing drugs and drinking in, like, 92. And so, I mean... And Josh hung around for a number of years. Yeah, he hung around. But recently, Prashanti rejoined. That, he that's did. fairly recently, right? Within the last couple of years, Prashanti rejoined? Was yes. that pre-COVID? That was pre-COVID, right? It was right pre-COVID. Right Actually, pre-COVID. my brother and I were going to see them in, like, Northern California. Oh, no shit. With John, yeah. We didn't buy the tickets yet, but we had had a plan, and of course, lockdowns happened. But wow. before we go, man, you want to put on a, a song called Encore? Sure. Because that's a song that I really like off of um, The Getaway, which, by the way, was their first record in I don't know how many years that wasn't produced by Rick Rubin. Really? Yeah, okay. it was produced by Danger Mouse, also known as Brian Oh, uh, I'm aware of Danger Mouse. The, the Grey album, that dude? Yes, yes, Danger Mouse. And Danger Mouse was also in Nars Barkley. That's right, that's right. This song was called Encore because they used to jam us at encores. Because during the Chili Pepper sets, they just jam in between songs for yeah. the most part. Which I love about... That's one of the reasons why I want to see them live is because I love bands that do that, like bring something different to the live experience. Oh, dude, they're incredible. And they'll just play like the albums the way you've heard them. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're all about that. I mean, if you want an example of them at their that's prime, that's why I love. That. Don't forget that. Don't forget me. Like, yeah, so they do it live. I watch live versions, and and they just fucking go so crazy on that song. Dude, I couldn't recommend um, Chili Peppers live at Slane Castle more for like yeah. a perfect Chili Peppers like live album. And what experience. year is that? Like tour. Oh, 04 uh, by the way tour okay, okay but there's also on YouTube there's live in Poland which is the Stadium Arcadium tour okay and they've done cool. several more with Josh but yeah, honestly yeah, yeah. John versus Josh yeah I remember that I remember uh, I know we're about to end, but I remember seeing them in Live 8 Live 8 was a big deal back in the back years ago they were one of the big bands of Live 8 that was like a multi-continent concert that was like yeah, in yeah. the spirit of Live Aid it was like however many years later but yeah they're still doing it man still doing it and we're hopefully gonna hear more stuff with John back now again right yeah I think I think there's a song there's a cover of a Gang of Four song that John and Flea did guitar and bass on respectively okay and I wanna say it's recent that's the closest thing I've heard to like another Chili Pepper song there's, a, there's like a weird rare performance of Anthony Flea and oh Jesus that's spooky. oh man my bad now nah, you're good bro. party foul during the podcast take a lap take a lap Mike. I just Jesus. spilled a beverage everywhere that's alright if we have paper <laughs> towels or a rag or whatever we're great good. way to end that's it <laughs> yeah check it out Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction plays drums with uh, Anthony Flea and John from Chili Peppers and that's the closest thing you'll get to a Chili Peppers uh, live, live performance these days so far but stay tuned they're not done all right everybody this is part two of the red hot chili peppers deep dive with your boy tony t and mikey d as well and we're going to talk about the red hot chili peppers meteoric rise to fame the complications that came with it the dark period that they had after that and then also their rise back to fame and what they're up to pretty much now
more or less. So yeah, stay tuned. All right, and that is all there is to it for now for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And yeah, John Frusciante is back in the band. I don't know what they're planning right now. I think it's a new record. I'm very optimistic about what they're going to give to the world. As a humongous fan of this band, I am genuinely excited and happy to see this band still performing and still being the wholesome, fun, if a little out there dudes that they are. Definitely shaped my life for the better, we'll say that. Like, subscribe, and shoot us a like, help our algorithm, do what you can do. This is the Box of Chocolates Podcast. I'm out, and we're through. Rhyme anytime.